This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Americans don't know a single Syrian. And so people watching this debate might wonder, how has it come to be? that Syria has become the great platform of great power competition in the world. Begins in 2011 during the Arab Spring when Assad, who is undeniably a madman and a despot, opens fire on his own people protesting. Then part of the Syrian army defects. They engage in warfare against Assad. And all of a sudden, they got a whole lot of weapons and money being sent from the rich Gulf monarchies through Jordan in to Syria. So Iran's not just going to watch this. Assad's their ally. They activate Hezbollah. They then invade Syria. So now you've got Jordan, the Gulf monarchies, Iran. But wait, Russia is pitching their vision of the world as a regime preservation force, whether you're Maduro or Assad. So they get involved. And what do they get for their time? A warm water port in the eastern Mediterranean. So we've got Russia, the Gulf monarchies. Israel starts to get worried about Hezbollah and Iran. So Israel cuts a deal with Russia to keep Iran out of southern Syria. And if it doesn't get any worse than that, now all of a sudden you've got the Kurds who declare war on Syria. And it makes it a little messy that the Kurds are also in conflict with Turkey, which is a NATO ally. And then somehow the United States in 2015 says, you know what? We need to get involved in this mess in Syria. And since we have been there, we have seen Americans die. We have seen tens of billions of dollars wasted. And what is hilarious about the 2001 AUMF that the neoconservatives wave around like some permission slip for every neoconservative fantasy of turning an Arabian desert into a Jeffersonian democracy is that that very 2001 AUMF would justify attacking the people that we're fighting against and the people we're funding. Because both have ties to Al-Qaeda, and of course the 2001 AUMF dealt with Al-Qaeda. All this talk about a reemergence of ISIS, I would encourage my colleagues to go read the Inspector General's report of the last quarter that indicates that ISIS is not a threat to the homeland. And with the Turks conducting operations in Syria against ISIS, with Assad and Russia having every incentive to create pressure on ISIS, I do not believe that what stands between a caliphate and not a caliphate are the 900 Americans who have been sent to this hellscape with no definition of victory, with no clear objective, and purely existing as a vestige to the regime change, failed foreign policies of multiple former presidents. I reserve the balance of my time. And from Florida is recognized. Syria is such a mess. We are sometimes fi funding both sides in the same battle. I seek unanimous consent to introduce into the record LA Times piece entitled, In Syria, Militias Armed by the Pentagon Fight Those Armed by the CIA. So ordered. With that, I yield two minutes to a veteran, also a military spouse of one of our brave patriots who fought in Syria, my colleague from Florida, Ms. Luna. Gentlewoman from Florida is yielded two minutes. Thank you. I just want to start out by saying ISIS has been destroyed. 
A few hundred troops will not stop the next terrorist.com, and that's never going to end. And I'm frankly tired of hearing the sentiment on both sides that if we do not fight them there, they will come here. There are way too many countries to apply that logic. And if we are so concerned, then why is the majority of the U.S. government stagnant on the southern border where it matters? Terrorists are literally walking in. Or better yet, if that's a true concern, then why did we leave billions of dollars in equipment during a botched withdrawal in Afghanistan? Do you really think terrorist.coms aren't going to use that equipment like ISIS did? Peace is accomplished through superior firepower, strong leadership, and a plan, not blunders of failed foreign policy literally repeating itself. We have zero strategic advantage and zero reason to be in Syria. In fact, they don't even want us there. All Assad and Putin are tight, and if you actually check out some of Russia's, uh, Russia's naval warships, they're actually hanging out in the western port of Syria. What we need to be focusing on is bigger issues, like China. Syria is a very, Syria is a very dangerous place for us to be leaving a few hundred Americans. We are better off sending those troops on JSETs to places like South America, where we can build stronger and useful allies who will actually work with us. Make no mistake, if we take China at their word, a near-peer fight is coming, and it will require 100% of our military and more than the American people are going to pay for it. And that is why I support this resolution. And if I can also add to those of my colleagues that had mentioned the Kurds, our NATO ally, Turkey, who is not the best NATO ally, might I add, has deemed them a terrorist organization. And after the take back of Mosul, we actually turned our back on them after promising to recognize them as a nation at the United Nations. Thank you. I yield my time. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield myself such time as I may consume. Much of the discussion today has revolved around whether or not withdrawing from Syria will ignite some new ISIS caliphate. We've pointed out time and again Inspector General's reports saying that that is unlikely. But I'm not entirely sure that us having troops in Syria deters ISIS more than it is a recruiting tool for ISIS. Moreover, President Trump said that if Russia wanted to kill ISIS, we should let them. And I think there is wisdom in that. Both Assad and Turkey are in stronger positions today to put downward pressure on ISIS. And maybe if we weren't giving weapons to people shooting at Assad, Assad would have every incentive to be able to engage ISIS in a, in a, in a way to ensure that it doesn't uh, come back. And we have to also acknowledge Syria and Iraq are the two countries on the planet Earth where we have done the most to fund ISIS. We give weapons to these so-called moderate rebels, which I actually thought was an oxymoron, and it turns out they're not that moderate. Sometimes the rebels we fund to go fight Assad turn around and raise the ISIS flag, and so it's quite silly to be saying we have to withdraw to stop ISIS when it is our very presence in Syria, in some cases, that has been the best gift to ISIS. There are groups like al-Nusra and associated entities that are like our frenemies when they're in Syria, and then they cross over the border into Iraq, and they become full-fledged jihadists posing a so-called threat to the homeland. There are 1,500 different groups in Syria. So today's friend is tomorrow's ISIS. And there's no real clear delineation as to what the enduring defeat of ISIS means. Like, do we have to keep 900 Americans in Syria until the last heartbeat stops of the last person who holds some sympathy for ISIS? I would certainly hope not. It would mean we would have to be there forever. Israel has made their, their deal with Russia to be protected. The Kurds have made their peace with Assad to be protected. And what we see among this quagmire 
is there's really not a role for the United States of America in Syria. We are not a Middle Eastern power. We have tried this time and again to build a democracy out of sand and blood and Arab militias, and time and again, the work we do does not reduce chaos. Oftentimes, it causes chaos, the very chaos that then subsequently leads to terrorism. My colleagues, my staff who've served in Syria, my constituents tell me that often these anti-ISIS raids are just raids of local thugs and drug dealers who have some cousin that's in ISIS, and it is not appropriate to put Americans at risk. Often our Americans are guarding these oil fields where the Iranians are sending kamikaze drones, and I am shocked that we have not had escalatory accident or even more casualties uh, for our U.S. service members. And so if this is all one big Georgetown School of Foreign Service essay exam about great power competition in Syria, you go tell that to the parents of the Americans who have to sleep tonight in Syria, who have to guard oil fields with Iranian drones coming at them, that they're necessary to preserve the balance of power. That is not true. The Kurds have an opportunity to pave their path. Let's pave ours. And if we're so worried about threats to the homeland, how about we actually focus on our true point of vulnerability, which is not the emergence of some caliphate. It's the fact that terrorists are crossing our southern border on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. We seem far less concerned about that and we undeniably should be. My colleagues, I ask you to support this resolution to reassert Congress's power to speak on these matters of war and peace. So often we come to the floor and we debate frivolities. This is one of the most important things we can be talking about. How we use the credibility of our fellow Americans, how we spend America's treasure, how we spill the blood of our bravest patriots. We have stained the deserts in the Middle East with enough American blood. It is time to bring our service members home. I encourage my colleagues to support the resolution and yield back the balance of my time. Okay, one of the most uh, important debates on a real issue of national importance uh, has taken place uh, this afternoon. It's Wednesday, 8 uh, March in the year of our Lord, 2023. And, of course, it gets no mainstream media coverage. In fact, I'm not even sure Fox picked it up or anybody. But this is a part of, if we keep talking about, we're in this, you know, the two um, uh, converging crises, this geopolitical crisis on the Eurasian landmass, and uh, that we're being sucked into a kinetic war. And, uh, and then you've got the financial and economic crisis. They're converging, as we've said, and they're conflating, and they're going to spin out of control. Testimony today continues on, on Capitol Hill, on these issues. Now, people are not covering it because they, you know, they want to talk about other things, not the things that matter, and we refuse to do that. Here, this is about having the people's house and having Congress specifically, the House of Representatives, get more engaged and more focused on uh, on the war powers and, and their their uh, constitutional responsibility about actually the declarations of war and fighting wars. This really is a preamble to the fight that's going to come over Ukraine. Remember, in Ukraine, we want to cut the funding to zero. Uh, the Ukrainians should be at the negotiating table. Uh, we can't afford it. It's, it's obscene what's happening, and we have the power to stop it. Now, one of the things that we're trying to do is force Biden to come to the House and actually with a war powers resolution 
very specifically walk through uh, his strategy, the objectives of what are we trying to accomplish there. In order to do that, what Matt Gates and I think you're seeing in Matt Gates uh, particularly, and I, I'm very proud uh, to have an association with Matt over a number of years, but to see uh, the young guy that I would meet on the tarmac. Uh, down in Florida for the rallies uh, for Trump in 2016 and to see that he's become a, a, a real, a true leader, uh, understands the details. Matt Gates's forces, this is about Syria. This is about the 900 troops that are in Syria and have been there forever. But it's not just about those troops. It is about why Americans deployed in these areas of the world. Why are we all over the world in every different country uh, what if this is a great power conflict? What are the what's the what's at stake here? What are the objectives here? Who's involved here? And it was galvanizing, you know, a several couple hours of uh, of debate. And quite frankly, Gates had more Republicans coming up and, and, and against him than he even had Democrats. In fact, two of the most spirited were Zinke and uh, and McCall. Do we have McCall? Do we have? Do, OK, let's play. I think we got a couple more clips here. Let's go ahead and play the clip, and then and then I'll just play the additional clip, and then I'll come back and comment on it. The gentleman is recognized. Mr. Speaker, the United States is not at war with Syria. Rather, the United States is conducting limited but important counterterrorism operations in Syria against ISIS, formerly known as al-Qaeda in Iraq, pursuant to the 2001 counterterrorism AUMF. Those operations are being reported regularly to Congress, consistent with the War Powers Resolution. They are not new or unique to the Biden administration. In fact, let me quote President Trump about what we are doing here. When he said, quote, a small presence of United States Armed Forces remains in strategically significant locations in Syria to conduct operations against continuing terrorist threats emanating from Syria. These ongoing operations, which the United States has carried out with the assistance of numerous international partners, has been successful in seriously degrading ISIS capabilities in Syria and Iraq, uh, end of quote. When ISIS was at the peak of its power in 2015, it controlled vast territory in Iraq and Syria, which it used to launch attacks in the Middle East uh, and beyond. Those terrorists ruled with medieval brutality. And we all remember the graphic videos of ISIS fighters beheading journalists and innocent civilians. These monsters drew thousands of foreign volunteers to join their ranks in Iraq and Syria and inspired terrorist attacks around the world. Our U.S. military, working with the global coalition and local forces on the ground, helped to dismantle and destroy this vicious caliphate. I'm proud that our men and women in uniform answered the call to fight this menace which threaten the United States and the world. And even though ISIS no longer controls significant territory, there are still tens of thousands of hardened terrorist fighters in Iraq and Syria who are hell-bent on reestablishing their terror state. In fact, in the last quarter of 2022, ISIS claimed 72 attacks in Iraq and Syria, including several IED attacks. Thankfully, our small deployment of U.S. service members is remarkably effective at working with local partners to achieve results and ensure the enduring and complete defeat of ISIS. Otherwise, these numbers would be much worse. In 2022, we were involved in 108 partner and 14 unilateral operations 
killing 466 ISIS, uh, ISIS operatives and detaining 250 others. None of us want our soldiers overseas and in harm's way any longer than is absolutely necessary. And I understand that the gentleman from Florida has introduced this resolution in good faith and in well-intentioned. And he did it in response to a February 17 operation to kill an ISIS leader in which four U.S. service members were wounded. Any injured or killed service member is a tragedy. We are eternally grateful for their sacrifices, the sacrifices made by our men and women in uniform and their families, and never take them for granted. And it's our responsibility as members of Congress to reassess an ongoing basis whether their deployments and the risks they involve are necessary. In doing that, we must recall President Obama's disastrous decision to prematurely withdraw our troops from Iraq in 2011. A few short later, years later, American troops returned to fight the deadly ISIS caliphate, which grew out of the al-Qaeda presence that had not been defeated. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley, was in Syria just days ago to see our troops and assess the state of our mission. He went there to figure out what value this mission holds for our security. He said, and I quote, unless you support and devote the correct amount of resources to it, things will get worse, and if you completely ignore and turn your back, then you're setting the conditions for a resurgence. That is why I strongly oppose this resolution directing the removal of United States Armed Forces from Syria, and I urge my colleagues to do the same. If we withdraw our troops from Syria now, we could see a resurgence of ISIS or another legal successor in short time. Withdrawal of this legal, authorized U.S. troop deployment must be based on the total defeat of ISIS. Let me be clear. Congress's power to declare war is one of our most solemn Article I responsibilities. And I understand why some in this chamber are uncomfortable with using a 22-year-old force authorization for current operations. I believe that we should be working together in a bipartisan manner to have an updated replacement to this AUMF to address the current threat environment, while also keeping Congress engaged with our constitutional responsibilities. But this resolution does not work to that end. I believe it would call for an artificial withdrawal and it would be a win for the ISIS terrorist committed to our destruction. The bottom line is the premise upon this resolution uh, as a parliamentarian doesn't make fact-based determinations. Uh, the premise of this whole thing is that there's no authorization for troops to be in Syria today. It's just not accurate. In fact, it's wrong because in 2014, the ISIS threat was addressed under presidential authorities of 2001 AUMF. And I remember being in the White House with President Trump uh, addressing this crisis as well about what to do about Syria and whether we believe our U.S. troops should remain uh, in a very small uh, footprint of 900 soldiers uh, in Syria. And at that time, President Trump uh, made the decision that under the 2001 AUMF to keep these uh, troops in country, and I believe that was a correct decision, 
And, and I stand by that, and I urge my colleagues to join me. Memphis, Memphis, just just pause it right there and get to Zinke in a second. Okay, you've seen this. This debate's important because it's going to get to the Ukraine debate. We're going to do the same thing in Ukraine about uh, uh, a forcing Biden to come forward uh, with a war powers resolution lays out the plan. Right here, you're talking about 22 years ago. They had this, uh, you know, the, the, the force authorization. We're dealing off something that was passed 22 years ago. And this is the con and the scam they used to keep it going. And with President Trump, the pressure on him for the Syria thing, of which I fought adamantly, and I fought uh, doing the, um, the cruise missile attacks early in his administration adamantly, because all they want to do is have an incident with U.S. combat troops up there and the Russians. Look, Obama, the, the, the goal of American foreign policy, one of the central goals in that part of the world forever was to keep the Russians out, make sure the Russians couldn't get into Egypt again, make sure the Russians couldn't get into, uh, uh, you know, into a war more to port. Obama and those guys gave that up. Obama and them let, it, let them get into Syria. Obama uh, administration and Biden, the Obama-Biden administration let them have the war more to port, which they've tried to get for hundreds of years. Uh, so for us to continue to fight there and Matt Gates lays it out so magnificently to go, Hey, this is a great power struggle. You got Persia on one side, the Russians on another side, you got the Gulf Emirates, you got Israel. This is for that part of the world. 900 American troops. All it's doing is just dangling out their trouble. We don't really have the ability to, to support these troops. We really don't have the ability to make any big difference in which way this is going. It's 900 troops. It's just to keep your footprint there so that you can get in more trouble. And that's why they got to come home. And I think Gates is incredibly articulate. You also had Anna Polina Luna. And this is a terrific example of the America First policies now starting to be all over the Capitol because this has never come up, this type of debate. And, and the people pushing back the most are neocon Republicans. Do we have a Zinkies? Can I play? This is uh, Commander uh, Zinke. A uh, former Navy SEAL, uh, his, uh, let's listen to him from Montana. Montana is recognized. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I stand before you today in strong opposition to Resolution 21 to pull forces out of Syria. Like many in this distinguished chamber, I've served in the region. I've spent 23 years as a Navy, Navy SEAL. I've hunted war criminals. I've dismantled terrorist cells. And I've fought for freedom on foreign shores. There are several self-evident truths in Syria. First, the U.S. troops are authorized by Congress. Second, as I do believe that we should review those authorizations, then they need to be reviewed. We should have answers on objectives, on failures, on victories, on a plan for ultimate success. I agree. But there is no doubt that Syria also remains a center for radical Islamic forces and terrorism, like ISIS, like PKK. These are organizations that will never stop, ever. They are committed to destroy this nation and our allies, and we should be aware of their objectives. Lastly, the hard truth is this. Either we fight him in Syria or we'll fight him here. Either we fight and defeat them 
in Syria or will fight in the streets of our nation. And to understand the scope of the military presence, we're talking about about 900 troops. That's 900 troops that have to have the capability for intelligence collection, self-defense, surveillance, targeting. In case our troops get in trouble, that force must be sufficient to get them out of trouble. Because every sailor, soldier, airman, or Marine deserves nothing less. 300 military personnel is an objectively small contingent. When you look at it, that's about the size of a Walmart. So I agree with many of the supporters of the resolution that we, Congress has the powers and these powers should be reviewed. We should ask the hard questions. What's the path to victory? Where are the resources that are being spent, are they being spent in the right spot? Is there a clear path to victory and what are the interests of the United States? But believe me, Mr. Chairman, I understand the burden of war. I've lost a lot of friends. And I understand the consequences of war and foreign shores, both to the servicemen and our families. Which is why I call on my colleagues today to ask the right questions, but to reject this well-intended but really, really bad idea. Mr. Chairman, I yield. It's actually well-intended and a great idea. And I think, uh, Commander Zinke, you actually made the strongest cases for it. Um, no, if it does, if 900 Americans are over there, and like you said, 300 combat troops get all the support troops because it's got to be covered. This is how you end up putting more and more and more in. It's time to come home. Okay. That is uh, 900 American troops are not going to make any difference in this. You've got, all we're going to do is lose more men and women. You know, this is the area of the world where Joe Kent's wife gave her life. It is time to bring these home. It's a time to get objectives and focus on what the main thing is. And the main thing is not fighting down on some, uh, you know, tangential theater in this great power conflict. Every piece of money and resources and manpower we have should be in the Pacific and should be focused on the Chinese Communist Party. And even the kinetic part of that should be the smallest part of that. We should go after financially. A, a, an amazing debate today, not just about the powers of Congress to declare war and go to war, but also of what we are doing. What does America first stand for versus uh, versus the neoliberal neocons? Okay, short commercial break. We're going to come back. we got Ukraine. we got capital markets at economics. We're going to break it all down. we got clips. we got analysis, observations. We're going to be back in the war room in just a moment. Starting the new year, how will you prepare yourself, friends, and family? In the news, you're seeing constant government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflicts, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why over the last year, I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store to help you stay prepared and ensure your vital communications stay brighter. They're one of America's largest satellite companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. 
For a limited time, Satellite Phone Store has a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon. Get a bivy stick or an Imarsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Remember, that's you get a bivy stick or a Marsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Now, Satellite Phone Store's customer support team is located in the United States of America and can help you pick the best plan for you. Go to sat.com right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. And get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That is sat123.com slash Bannon, sat123.com slash Bannon. Get it today. Take action, action, action. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Because EnviroCleanse, advanced mineral technology, goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness causing cold and flu viruses, including COVID. EnviroCleanse is the new science in air purification, and now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy and flaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com. And use the code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor, plus fast, free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business, almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. 
War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, so much important stuff's happening today. This amazing debate on the floor of the House regarding the troop withdrawal and continual fighting of American troops, combat troops in Syria. People say, well, God, I thought we'd be on Syria for years. No, you have not. Even President Trump, as hard as he tried to get us Syria, I remember at the end of his administration, he really pushed forward to do it. But this is something that the deep state, the administrative state, they want you in Syria. They want you in every part of the world, particularly they want you cheek by jowl. As closer you can get to Russian troops, the better, because they want something to happen. They're, 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 they're always trying to egg it on. And uh, this situation in Syria is very dangerous. No American troops should be in Syria. They should come home. We should take them all out of Iraq. Iraq the other day made an announcement they're going to um, uh, do a long-term output deal with the CCP and, uh, and take the, 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 not do it in dollars, not have to convert dollars to do it. So you don't need petrodollars, which hurts as the prime reserve currency. They want to take it in Chinese currencies. These people are not our allies. They've used our idiotic. Uh, absurd leaders like Bush and Cheney and others for years, Obama and Biden, and it's time now for America First. You're seeing the beginning opening salvo of what an America First foreign policy looks like. Let's go ahead. Another big aspect is obviously Ukraine, and we just found out from the intelligence services they leaked to the New York Times that a pro-Ukrainian paramilitary group or intelligence group is actually responsible for the Nord Stream pipeline which President Trump tried to stop and told the Germans you shouldn't be taking, you shouldn't structure your entire economy around cheap and plentiful Russian gas because you're going to become beholden to the Russians. And, and Merkel blew us off and her defense ministers blew us off. Oh, you guys don't understand. You're so, like, so sophisticated. You're not sophisticated. We have a special relationship with Russia and we know how to handle Putin. They're absolute clowns, the German leaders, and they're dangerous clowns. Let's go. We got a couple of clips on Ukraine. Because remember, if uh, nothing, there's no Ukrainian group in the world that does anything that the U.S. intelligence agencies has not signed off on. Let's just be blunt. So there's something up here. And this was a declaration of war, not just on Russia. This is a declaration of war on the German people because their entire economies changed uh, once this happened, once Nord Stream 2 was uh, was blown up. Let's go ahead and play the clips. Are confident that a pro Ukrainian group may have been behind the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines in the fall, uh, suggesting that President Zelensky's government was not involved, but it was a group with you know, pro Ukrainian uh, ties. And we wanted to get your reaction to that report. What do you make of it? First of all, I want to, everybody should understand the Nord Stream 2 is a symbol of Russian aggression. They have zero importance for their <coughs> energy se uh, security, for the economy. This is the classical example how to weaponize Russian energy policy. That was directly uh, against Ukraine. And uh, with that situation, if only we know who is behind the sabotage of the North Stream, maybe we would thank them uh, because uh, serve Russia right after all these disastrous crimes they make on the Ukrainian territory. Mm, unfortunately, I cannot comment it, uh, but uh, this is the approach of all Ukrainians. And look about the Nord Stream. These are serious things, very much serious things. First, never be afraid of the truth. I am not afraid of the truth, any truth. 
but we are talking about by the time being speculations investigations on the exact circumstances are still ongoing in Sweden maybe you can say something about it dear minister on Denmark and in Germany and let's be serious as long as investigations are ongoing we cannot draft draw definitive conclusion what can I say I have to wait for having a clear understanding of what has happening it has been a sabotage of the Nord Stream gas pipeline yes it has been it's clear of what has happening it has been a sabotage of the Nord Stream gas pipeline yes it has been it's clear It means one thing, we have to be much more vigilant about the resilience of our critical infrastructure. Because what has happened with the Nord Stream 2 may happen tomorrow with a cable of optic fiber or an electric cable supplying electricity from one country to another below the sea. And we have already taken swift action to accelerate the work on protecting our critical infrastructure, the resilience on priority areas, and to give an answer to respond to the international threats through international cooperation, in particular with... It means one thing. We have to be much more vigilant about the resilience of our critical infrastructure. Because what has happened with the Nord Stream 2 may happen tomorrow with a cable of optic fiber or an electric cable supplying electricity from one country to another below the sea. And we have already taken swift action to accelerate the work on protecting our critical infrastructure, the resilience on priority areas, and to give an answer to respond to the international threats through international cooperation, in particular with NATO. But about what has happened with the Nord Stream 2, I don't know. And as far as the one that could know... Let me have it. Okay, bottom line is there is no pro... A pro-Ukrainian group... Let me think about this for a second. Let me... Oh, oh, right, the CIA, DIA. This stinks to high heaven. You're not being dealt straight with on anything dealing with Ukraine, right? You got Zelensky now demanding, he's demanding that uh, McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, you know, not go to Taiwan. He needs, he says, you must come to, you must come to uh, Ukraine to get a real feel for what's happening here, what we're doing here. No. So I put up on Gerday, but McCarthy does not know, need to go to Ukraine. We know more than enough than we need to know. We're not questioning the valor or heroism of the Ukrainian people. In Bakhmut, they've made a decision today. They're putting in more troops. He's telling people, though, that it looks like it could fall, looks like they could lose it, which they understand is a, a major strategic and, and, more importantly, probably optics or some symbolic uh, defeat. Uh, the Russians continue to pound away on that uh, besieged uh, city uh, with the inhabitants that have really taken some brutal, uh, some brutal incoming. Uh, but here you have a situation where our ally and the most important ally we have on the continent, Germany, although they never pull their weight, the Germans have this pipeline to provide them natural gas because the entire structure of German society, culture and industry is predicated upon cheap and plentiful 
Russian natural gas, of which we told them, if you do this, you'll be beholden to them. And lo and behold, and, and the people said, oh, Russia did this to show them. No, it's ridiculous. This was always either Ukrainians or the American regime at, uh, with Biden to try to uh, force a more action uh, against the Russians. And right now you have, they're leaking to, to the New York Times, a pro-Ukrainian group. You just had the Ukrainian guy sit there. Well, you know, uh, this is not authorized by Zelensky. Anything related to this is authorized and approved by the Central Intelligence Agency and DNI and probably DIA. So somebody's um, somebody in the Biden regime's hands are all over this, Jake Sullivan. Uh, and if a pro-Ukrainian group is doing this on an ally of the United States and essentially declaring war on Germany by hitting a major German asset, we should cut money off immediately. I mean, it's terrible either way. Either we did it in conjunction with them, we did it ourselves, and we're trying to blame it on some pro-Ukrainian group, or pro-Ukrainian group did it, and we either signed off on it or didn't know about it. This thing looks terrible, and it shows you it shows you how lack of how much lack of thought. And this is why the Syria debate was so they, there was not a good counter argument at all to the great Matt Gates. And Matt Gates did a magnificent job. He's leading this debate on the Ukraine. He's trying to force the same debate to the floor. You're, you're going to see all the hollowness, all the all the double talk. Uh, if he gets when you know he gets this forces a vote on a war powers resolution. Right now, constitutionally, it is obscene that Congress is working off 22-year-old uh, authorizations, the use of military authorizations. It's, it's ridiculous. The, it's the, uh, the circumstances and context have changed so much. And this is what President Trump fought. Remember, they're sitting there. They're absolutely petrified. The neoliberal, neocon order is absolutely petrified of MAGA and America First. And this is why, because now we're challenging them into their babies. Right. Got to have combat troops in Syria, have to have unlimited approach, have to have unlimited support for the Ukrainians. Biden regime, do you have unlimited, if it's a pro-Ukraine group, do you still have unlimited support? You keep saying it's whatever, however long the Ukrainians want to fight and however much it's going to take, we're there. Well, now to know a pro-Ukrainian group uh, went after a strategic asset of our top ally on the continent. Were you informed of that? Did you know about that? Did you sign off about it? Okay, if you did, that's terrible because you lied. And if you didn't, that's probably worse because the Ukrainians approved once again, looks like they sent the rocket into Poland that time and lied about it. Zelensky lied about it. You can't trust these people, particularly when you're playing. Uh, they're up against a nuclear power that could you start using tactical nuclear weapons. We need adults in the room. This is why Trump gave you four years of peace and prosperity. Okay, we're going to go to the other side of the question. We're going to talk about the other crisis of a couple of breaking news items. McCarthy said today, what have I been arguing about? You need to have a model. You need to have a financial model that everybody kind of agrees on. Not saying it's totally accurate, but at least sets out a template. The Biden regime has not put that out. McCarthy puts out today, tweets out today. He's going to have a joint meeting of everybody, and they're going to have the Congressional Budget Office, the, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, the $19 trillion we're going to add in the next 20 years. Because of ourselves and other people pushing that, you've got to get this out there, and you have to have people address it. McCarthy has announced today that he is going to have a joint working group, working session. Everybody's invited, and they're going to have CBO make a presentation. And once you do that, you're going to sit there going, okay, guys, what are we doing here? Because we can't have 50 trillion of debt on, on, on our balance sheet with you know trillions more over at the Federal Reserve. It, the math doesn't work. It does not work. It's catastrophic and destructive. So 
We're making some progress there. Uh, Powell was at the House Day at the Senate yesterday. Let's go ahead. We've got some clips here, and, and you've got to see these to believe them. Let's go ahead and play uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell in front of the House today for his testimony. Asking whether whether a CBDC would serve some of that, but a CD, CBDC is going to be years in the evaluation, and you know uh, I think we can get this into the hands of the public very quickly, and I think we'll have real time payments in this country very very soon, and yeah. so that that's a good thing. It is, you know, I do have an overriding question, and that is, you know, before the greenback, uh, everybody had their own currency. You know, you had rail com- rail companies, you had coal companies, you had uh, you know, state banks that were authorized to issue their own currency. But, but when the greenback came out, uh, all of those various con- currencies went to zero because everyone had, you know, because the greenback had the full faith and credit of the United States behind it. I'm worried about a lot of these uh, stable coins and, and other cryptocurrencies. Uh, do they go to zero when, when we come up with the CBDC? that has the full faith and credit of the United States behind it. That's, and we've got thousands of these out there, and you've got people investing millions and millions of dollars in these, well, trillions right now. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just thinking if we had those, those advantages built into a, uh, you know, a CDBC, wouldn't those alternatives go to zero if they did not have the transparency and the full faith and credit that, that we enjoy? So certainly unbacked cryptocurrencies that, that don't have any intrinsic value but nonetheless trade for a positive number, um, those, those have never understood the valuation of those. Stable coins are actually, many of them are really, they're, they're drawing on the credibility of the dollar. They have, they have dollar-based, they're, they're dollar-denominated mainly, and they right. have dollar-based reserves, although we don't know what's in the reserves because there's no regulation. Gentlemen. So basically the $7 trillion that we spent uh, – the Democrats spent in the last four years, is going to cost us an additional $2 trillion. And that's not factoring in future rate increases as you continue to appropriate. Again, hang on a second. Hang on a second, uh, Memphis. Hang on. I, I, I want to go to this. We're going to get into this a second. Hit rewind on 10 minutes. Got to talk. One of the most fascinating things about what's happening in the House, people all, or the, the debt is so bad, right? And, and they're getting such double talks from the Fed. People are talking about, hey, these rolling devaluations, uh, you're going to see in a minute about gimmicks to solve our problem. This is why I think it's so powerful that McCarthy came out and said, hey, let's get everybody in a room, sit down with the Congressional Budget Office numbers, have them present. You can ask questions, question assumptions, but you at least get to see a set of math. Here, the previous conversation was about this whole issue of a government issued, a Federal Reserve issued a cryptocurrency, and they're also cr- currencies that are stable coin versus not. You know, we're part of our community. Here's the thing. This is going to get to be, and you heard uh, the congressman right there teeing it up by saying, hey, and if you go to my uh, uh, birchgold.com slash worm, the uh, politics of money, and particularly the third phase, the debt trap, the debt trap will get you up to speed now with what you need to know for these conversations. Listen to this testimony. But the congressman was sitting there was talking about what we talked about in the first installment, which was the politics of money, saying, hey. You know, before the Federal Reserve, before, uh, what, 1911, 1913, you know, had many different types of currency around there. You not just had greenbacks, you had, you had, uh, or before the invention of greenbacks, you had all types of different, uh, different, uh, different money. And, uh, and, and now you're talking about crypto and he's saying, hey, they had a long conversation about uh, 
you know, stable coin. Now, one of the big problems with having a government issued crypto is first off, even with the blockchain, they will be able to know every one of the transactions you do. I mean, do you want a currency that you're totally beholden to the government information? They didn't have time to get in this, but I will tell you, now that we're doing rolling devaluations on you every day, this is going to get to be a big issue. Okay, I want to go to Timmons. Let's play the next part of this. This is, gets into the, 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 the trillion-dollar coin. you got to see, listen to this one. So basically, the $7 trillion that we spent, that the Democrats spent in the last four years is going to cost us an additional $2 trillion. And that's not factoring in future rate increases as you continue to appropriately try to get inflation under control. As you can tell, this is a huge problem. Uh, the $7 trillion in unnecessary spending in the last four years has caused inflation. Some of my colleagues across the aisle disagree with that causal relationship. Uh, Clinton's Treasury Secretary and Obama's Director of National Economic Council, Larry Summers, wrote an op-ed before they spent the money and said it was going to cause inflation. And he has gone on the uh, I was right tour for the last couple years. Um, we need responsible policymakers to address our debt. Let's talk about what's not serious, and that's minting a trillion-dollar coin. Many of my colleagues across the aisle have advocated for this. Luckily, both President Biden and Secretary Yellen have said that this is not a serious proposal, and they have no plans of considering it. Unfortunately, the Biden administration has a bit of a history of doing a 180 when the political winds blow. Most recently, he said he would veto the D.C. crime bill, and now he's adamantly supporting it and plans to sign it. So, uh, Chair Powell, my only question of you is if Biden and Yellen send you a trillion-dollar coin, will you accept it? And, and I, what I will say to that, there's, that, this only winds up one way, and that is with Congress raising the debt ceiling. So you will not accept a trillion-dollar coin and treat it as a trillion dollars if it's sent to you? I'll add there, there are no rabbits to be pulled out of hats here. This only ends I, with Congress. I know you don't like yes or no's, but if you are sent a trillion-dollar coin and asked to, be, asked to treat it as a trillion dollars, will you treat it as a trillion dollars? That would be a rabbit coming out of a head. I'll take that as a no. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Today, today, and we're going to have more of this as we go on, these hearings actually get some pretty good questions. And, and right there he's talking about, this is what Massey was talking about, the $5 trillion the other day. Uh, here, Tim, I think it's Timmons of South Carolina is talking about the $7 trillion of the Biden administration, but also because of the collaboration of the Republican Party. He did the correct calculation. That is going to add two trillion. You're going to pay two trillion dollars in interest expenses on that over time at the current rates, and not even if they go higher. This is such a disaster, and Powell has so few answers for people going forward that this thing—a gimmick of the of the of the minting of one coin that you would just call, oh, I I uh, uh, I say that this is worth a trillion dollars, send it to the Fed, and that can help take down the balance sheet and, and kind of be a payment. These type of gimmicks are actually being discussed. And he brings up a great point. Hey, Biden has told us time and time again, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Boom. They, they flip at the last second. And he's trying to get the guy on the record. And, and Powell's saying, well, no gimmick can get us out of here. You watch. This is going to get more intense. It's going to get crazier every day. Both the uh, what we do to avoid getting sucked into a kinetic third world war in the Eurasian landmass and start to withdraw ourselves and focus on the Chinese Communist Party, and number two, this financial and economic disaster. There's a poll up today I got up on Getter that 40% of the American people are totally depressed, totally depressed about their financial situation. And I said gloomy. 
gloomy and depressed. And I said, hey, they shouldn't be gloomy and depressed. They should be furious and angry because these are created crises. Okay, in the 6 o'clock hour every day this week, and I think continuing on, I'm going to be breaking down some of the more important uh, issues of the day, the things that matter to your life and are going to matter going forward. I want to thank everybody. We're going to be back here at 10 o'clock uh, tomorrow morning. It's going to be absolutely on fire. Remember, things like the Syria bill, you don't think you're going to win those. Those are, It's not messaging, but it's to get out into the discussion. Matt Gates had tipped a, a Congressman Matt Gates an incredible job of organizing it. We're going to have a lot more tomorrow morning. Alex Jones is scheduled to join us in the 11 o'clock hour. Alex got a lot to talk about uh, on the uh, not just the Great Reset, but what's going on at Capitol Hill. Okay, see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., back in the world. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Soul Tea. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.